Hi, welcome to the Midweek Conversation. This week's podcast is going to look a bit different. This week I had the privilege of interviewing David Pike, who is a member of our church, a keen revival historian, and a man of God, and someone who I regard as a mentor and a dear friend. And we spent some time talking about revival. So here's our conversation. David, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, how are you? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Doing very well. How are you guys um, managing through lockdown and all the restrictions at the moment? Well, pretty well. I mean, uh, we have very little to do. I mean, we're <laughs> blessed in comparison with what some people are having to go through. Yeah. Uh, which is just unimaginable, really, um, you know, in terms of loss of loved ones, worry of about sick in sick people, financial issues you know job pressures we've none of that but we do have responsibility of care for um for some people and yeah. um, that that's the one little little bit of pressure that we do have but yeah. uh, and am i am i right in thinking that you guys had been planning to be away in italy this week if it hadn't been for the restrictions? Be in umbria at this very <laughs> moment in oh. well i'm sorry i'm sorry that you're um you're left with me as an alternative. I hope um, oh, well, it won't quite be the same. I can't offer you any Italian food and Italian drink at the moment, but or oh. even Italian sun. But hopefully there'll be an opportunity for that again in the future. Yeah. Okie doke. No worries. Well, I just thought, um, just for, thought for those who maybe don't know you, I'd just introduce you. I think I'm right in saying, David, that you could be described as a revival historian. Um, as well as reading and researching about revivals, especially Welsh revivals, you have an online blog and you're often invited to speak and teach on this subject by many different people. And just from a personal point of view, you know, you've become something of a mentor to me, a real voice of wisdom and counsel. And um, as I've taken on more leadership responsibility in the church, you've been somebody that I've often taken the opportunity to meet up with for a coffee and a pastry. Um, and you've been someone that I've been able to look to and learn from considerably over the last couple of years. So I've been really looking forward to this opportunity to interview you today and ask you about this subject of, of revival. Um, I've really enjoyed watching the short videos that you put together, the stories of revival um, that have been coming out this week. They're just fantastic. I loved um, the first video that you, you did about Thomas Price and those three questions of why not here, why not us, why not now? I mean, since I watched that, that story and those questions have just been spinning around in my head. Um, it's been really inspiring me and making me think about what, what God wants to do today and potentially through us. But I guess I just thought as to kick off this interview, my first question to you would be, what do we mean when we're talking about revival? I think for many of us, it would be really helpful just to start by explaining that. So what do we mean by this word revival? Well, it's interesting in that there isn't actually a biblical word revival as a noun to describe a revival. But there's a lot in the Old Testament and the New Testament about God's reviving activity. Um, he's continually breathing new life into what has become discouraged, distant, or even dead. Mm. And this is revival. It's about fresh life coming uh, to God's people particularly mm. and into the world through God's people. 
And um, one of the verses that I've been kind of thinking about in relation to this is in Revelation, where um, the angel of the church of Laodicea announces God's message to the church there. And, and, and the angel says this, I have this against you, that you have lost your first love. And that's something that I think so easily happens with all of us, really. We can so easily lose our passion for God. And uh, revival is about that passion for God being restored. Mm. Um, it's about the, our love of God being restored by the activity of God himself as his people become aware of their need for him. And some people make a bit of a distinction between renewal revival and awakening you know those three terms that we sometimes hear and I tend not to make much of a distinction between them personally I think they're words that have developed to kind of indicate a difference in scale of God's reviving activity so renewal is about personal reviving mm -hmm. revival is about the church being revived and awakening mm -hmm. is about the nation being revived through what has happened mm. in the church. Um, and I think revival is about the renewing of kingdom advance. Mm. We could describe it like that. And I think it's also giving it a slightly bigger perspective. It's part of the process that God uses for preparing his bride for the, for the coming of Christ again. Mm. That's great. That's really helpful. Would you... Um, would you say that perhaps in Acts, when we look at Acts 2 and that all that God is doing through the early church in the book of Acts, is that a good um, picture for what revival looks like as a starting place in the Bible? I think you could look at that account uh, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, as the first revival in a yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and you can read in there a lot of uh, features of what happened in there. You You do find in accounts of... Uh, revivals. In fact, I have referred to one or two of them in the <laughs> in the talks that I've done this week. So yeah. that's probably the classic paradigm of yeah. revival, really, that account Great. of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Great. So that's a good starting place if people are looking for some examples from the Bible. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to know, you know, just from just a bit about you personally in your journey with this when did you first start to take an interest in revival history what stirred that interest and why do you think it is so important for us to learn about these significant moves of God throughout history well it's been with me for a very long time now <laughs> um, I used to live in Lowestoft Hazel and I um, spent a lot of our married life there we brought up our children there I think we were there for about 25 years altogether and uh, while I was pastoring a church there, I, I became increasingly aware and, uh, of the very special revival history of that particular community. Wesley, in the 18th century, had seen revival break out in Lowestoft amongst particularly the young people. And in 1860, during the great revival of that period, um, Spurgeon preached in Lowestoft. Wow. Uh, to thousands when the population of the town was only a fraction of the size of the crowd that he was addressing. People had come in from all around and revival came. And then, especially in 1921, a guy called Douglas Brown did a mission in Lowestoft, which developed into a full-blown revival. 
which went all the way up the east coast to Scotland. And um, that's often referred to as the last revival on mainland Britain. Wow. I think some people might disagree with that description. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but those, those accounts of those revivals really, really stirred me. And uh, in our church, we prayed for revival. Oh, God, do it again in our town, in our community. And that we prayed in our church every week for revival to come to our town. Mm. Remember, there's one dear lady, Joan Gowing. She's still with us. She's in her 90s now. But she would always pray in these meetings. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Mm. And that became her declaration of what God would do at some point. And it was one of the things that kind of spurred us to keep praying for God to visit our town, which he did. Mm. Um, in 1994-96, uh, we experienced powerful outpouring of the spirit so over over time really praying seeking god for more which is what you know praying for revival is about really just became part of our dna yeah yeah and um and i also i guess i also found that there were some personal family connections with revival which also in a personal way kind of stirred me i mean as a lot of you know i'm i, I don't sound it but i am welsh <laughs> was born here <laughs> and um uh i just i'll never ever forget this i had a great aunt hannah rianid evans and uh, my my mother's mother's sister and uh she always told me this story about when she was a very little girl about six years old her mother took her and probably my younger my grandmother as well who was younger to a revival meeting in Triallo in the Ronda, and Evan Roberts was speaking in this meeting, and she was able to describe this meeting. She even vividly remembered what Evan Roberts looked like, tall man dressed in a dark suit. That's exactly Evan Roberts. Mm. And, and she remembered some of his gestures, and she would kind of imitate them, repeat them and uh, describe the atmosphere in this chapel. The atmosphere, she said, was so thick and heavy, you could cut it with a knife. Wow. And I tell you, all the hair is actually happening now. All <laughs> the hair on the back of my neck stood on end when she described wow. that. And uh, that made me, oh, you know, that just stirred something. Yeah. And um, I also found out that members of my family were saved in the 1859-60 revival. Mm -hmm. um, and were added into the chapel membership there. And, and even um, an ancestor of mine uh, or a distant relative of mine, William Edwards, the bridge builder of Pontypridd, he was a revivalist wow. in my family. And uh, he was one of the leaders of the Rumney Valley Revival in 1772. Now, that's a great bit of personal heritage. Yeah, yeah, just, it is. I just, you know, I want to kind of be in the line of, all yeah, that yeah. God has done through my own family as well, really. Yeah. So right. that all of that uh, has been just a part of the journey for me that has stirred me and got me going. Yeah. So it's something that's really been part of your journey as a in your own walk, but also just hearing about the connection and the heritage that it has in your family going back generations. That's yeah, amazing. yeah, amazing. And so I mentioned earlier that you have a blog and. I just wondered whether you could talk to us a little bit about that for a moment. Like how long have you been writing your blog? Where's it taking, taking you and, and what's writing the blog meant to you? Mm. 
Well, I've been writing Well Digger, it's called now, for about, well, more than nine years. Okay. Um, and it first started when a friend of mine who was part of my leadership team in the church that we used to lead, church plant, we used to lead in Cardiff years ago. Mm-hmm. So I used, to, I used to rattle on about revival all the time in the church. <laughs> and he said, David, you know, why don't you actually put some of this down somewhere and why don't you write a blog? So I thought, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. I ought to do that. So I started Well Digger, just, just like that, really. Yeah. Um, and um, it's over the last nine years, I've now written 330 <laughs> blogs. <laughs> I'd love to know how many hours. And they're not really blogs, because a blog is supposed to be quite short and pithy, isn't it, really? <laughs> you can read it in two minutes. But, I mean, the average length of these blogs is 6,000 words. Wow. Wow. So uh, there's there's about twelve books worth there. <laughs> Maybe it's time <laughs> to get them published. <laughs> and it's about um, yeah. Well, that would be uh, that is the idea. Hopefully, we will get something out <laughs> sooner or later. Later, probably. <laughs> but it's had about it's gone. It has gone amazingly um, yeah. all around the world. Really, I'm quite startled by the fact yeah. that it's had 1.25 million hits. Wow! And literally, <laughs> people from all over the world read it now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's what I do now. That's that's my passion. Awesome. And if what can come out of it stirs people to want to know more of God in their own lives and in their own churches and communities, then I'll be very, very I'll be delighted if that were the outcome from it really. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. I love how God's used that passion and, and using it to encourage and stir others as well. Well, so just to follow on from that, I suppose, from all that you have read and learnt and written about revivals in Wales and in the UK and around the world, what would you say are some of the key patterns or trends that are present during moments of revival? Right. Well, revivals, there are threads that run through that are common, but... Okay. Revivals do differ in the way that they come about and in how they kind of develop, how long they go on for yeah. and their extent and so forth. So but one, just one or two generalizations. A lot of them start with a sense of restlessness mm. with the status quo in society, in the church or in individuals. You know, uh, if this is all that it's about, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to church. Mm. There's got to be a better way of living life in community than this. Yeah. It's often the starting point. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'll interject a story about my mother. This was my mother's heart attitude. There's got to be more to church than this. You know, she, we were going to a traditional Baptist chapel in Gloucestershire at the time. This was in the early 60s. Mm. And um, my mother was getting really impatient. There's got to be more to church than this. And she really got hungry uh, and desperate to see God do something. And she was praying. This was her prayer. God, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And and then one Sunday, she was sitting up in the gallery of an evening service. And the Spirit of God just fell on her in the meeting uh, during the sermon, you know. and I can still see and hear the voice of the preacher uh, preaching in the place at that time. And it wasn't the most interesting of voices. <laughs> and so my mother was trying to stifle this joy that was kind of welling up in her. She ended up 
wanting to burst out laughing. And in order to control it in this very stuffy atmosphere, she stuffed her handkerchief (laughs) in her mouth to (laughs) suppress what was going on inside her. That was how it happened for her. So restlessness with regard to the status quo is one thing. And that leads to hunger for more of Mm -hmm. God. Uh, to know more of God, or rather to know God more, perhaps yeah. we, ought to, we ought to put it, to know his vital presence without which we struggle. And, um, and that results in feeding on the truth of God's word and on the stories of the experience of others. And that just accentuates the hunger then. That was my own experience of coming into the fullness of the spirit, really. And that leads to expressing hunger in persistent prayer and seeking him. And uh, God's spirit can't resist a heart that's got to that point. You know, he, he, he will come. Um, and if we come to a place of corporately sharing that desire, that kind of makes things even more, um, you know, powerful, uh, more potentially powerful situation. Yeah. And I think the rest is actually up to God himself. Yeah. Although that whole process is initiated by a work of God's spirit in us anyway. So revival begins with God working in us. And when we cooperate with that process beginning to happen, it just opens our lives up to receive him. And he is the one who takes initiative and comes by his spirit to fill us and to fill the church and to bless the community. It's a fulfilling of the promised Abraham in a way, you know, I'll bless you and I'll make you a blessing and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you that promise right early on genesis 12 is really what revival is all about yeah yeah i just wonder um you mentioned that obviously revival um doesn't always look the same they don't always have the same patterns i just wondered whether you had any thoughts on how how would one know that they're in the middle of a revival if it was happening where you were, how would you know that that was revival? Oh, I think you'd know it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd know it because yeah. God and the things of God become the most important thing in your life. Yeah. And you cannot think about anything else mm. other than God. Mm. And, um, you know, aware, being overwhelmingly aware of his love for you, mm-hmm. you know, being unable to contain the joy that results from knowing that you are deeply, deeply loved. And not just knowing with your head because the Bible says so, but knowing it actually as a fire that's burning inside you, really. Yeah. You know, it's like you've got a bonfire in your belly, yeah. you know, and um, you know all right. And uh, the, the one thing you want to the one place that you want to be is with God's people so that you can Mm. share that experience together. When we were kind of 94, 96, when the spirit powerfully impacted our church in Lowestoft, we just wanted to be together. We were meeting, you know, we were meeting all the time and it was extraordinary. And that was, that was, that was happening in Wales, for example, in 1904-5, you know, Uh, there were meetings every night for months on end and not just in one chapel where they all got together, but every single chapel in a village would have a meeting 
going on every day. And at the height of the revival, those meetings would start at nine in the morning and they'd go on until one and two o'clock in the morning the following day mm. uh, with people coming and going as they needed to go to work or feed the family or whatever. But there's this, just this insatiable desire to be where God's spirit is powerfully moving. Yeah. And, um, and there's an overflow, you know, you cannot help but talk about what God is doing in your life to anybody who will listen to you. Mm. And, uh, and I think when that is happening, when you've overcome all inhibition mm. <laughs> and all fear when it comes to just sharing what the love of God, you know, yeah. you know, you're in revival. Yeah. And, um, you know, we ain't there yet. <laughs> no, no. There's a lot of good things going on. And I, I mean, I suppose in my perspective, I think there's a long, slow burn revival going on at the moment, which started years and years and years ago, mm. back in the 60s when my mother got, mm. not that she was the starting point, but in that era, I think there was something beginning which has been just building and building and building mm. uh, all around the world in different places. And, uh, you know, it's a little up and down sometimes. It's not a kind of a, it's not an exponential curve. It's, yeah. uh, it's, but the level is, is going up all the time. And I, and I think, I think we're in that. We're, we're, we're in that slowly, slowly um, getting there. And what happened to us in 94, 96 is a part of that process. And I think, yeah, I honestly believe that this is building towards the biggest end time revival that the world has ever seen. Uh, which will herald the return of Jesus. But as to when that will be, I have no idea. And I have no desire to know. (laughs) (laughs) I just, um, something I wanted to pick up on was you mentioned about when, when the signs of revival are present and people are being really stirred in the, in the core of who they are. Um, You talked about, you know, it wouldn't just be in maybe one church or one chapel, but across many and am yeah. I right in thinking that when revival comes in that magnitude of God's presence, that it, it's something that doesn't just touch an individual life. It's one that spreads throughout a whole town or a whole city or a whole nation. I, is, that, is that right? I, yeah, I believe so. Um, you know, I believe so. I mean, there are differences of scale. Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, what my mother experienced in that chapel in nineteen in the early 1960s was renewal, was personal renewal. Yeah, yeah. What happened to us in Lowestoft in 94 was revival in the sense that it was life coming to a church. Um, but we haven't got to the awakening stage yet, and I think that comes about when uh, what is going on spreads not only between churches and even between churches in different places, mm. but actually it begins to have an overflow that impacts impacts the nation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, just um, just following on then, as you've explained to us, maybe what some of the what happens or what can take place when when revival does break out. What do you think it means for us then today in light of what God has done in the past, especially in this nation? How should this impact the way that we think, pray and live today? Well, everything I said a little bit earlier on, you know, about hungering for being, uh, 
impatient with status quo, wanting wanting to know God more, and all of those things, uh, uh, seeking Him, praying, uh, wanting Him to do more in your life than He is doing, or in your church, hmm. all of those things. But I think as well, it. I, I mean, for me personally, this is my experience. It also helps to be aware of what God has done in the past, really. Yeah. And the stories of revival, of how God has worked in the past, can be a, an amazing encouragement. Uh, it, it can be fuel for the fire, if you like. Um, and I've got a – there's a motto that I kind of developed right in the very early days of Well Digger. Mm. And, and, and it's quite simply this. If we honor what God has done in the past and recognize, affirm, and engage with what he is doing in the present, we position ourselves for what he is about to do in the future. Mm. So I think it's good to develop a sense of the overall purposes of God and the direction in which he is moving in his purpose of redemption preparing for the return of Jesus to for this amazing marriage feast of the lamb it's good to have a it's good to have a perspective of history which is all embracing to yeah. understand the purposes of god so i think that gives you a sense as to kind of where you fit into that and how actually you can be involved in that process of bringing you know of glory covering the face of the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we've all got a part to play in that. Yeah. Uh, it's part of our destiny. It's what yeah. God has purposed us to live our lives for, is to bring glory to him. And that happens as we kind of fall in love with him afresh and allow him to fill us with his spirit and uh, live out a life of, of faith and hope and joy and peace in a way that is uncontainable. And what I love as I'm just listening to you is that I see in you someone who that is so true for, that as you've looked at this stuff, it's stirred your passion for, for yeah. Jesus and pursuing the things of him. There's yeah. you, have you, as you've read about what God has done through your family and in this nation and through revivals, it's stirred that passion for you. So everything that you're talking to us about, I just see it as, I'm, as I talk to you and as I know you, I know the impact it's had on your life. And it just, it stirs me to go, oh, I want to learn more about this because I can see what this does to a person when yeah. they understand what God has done and what God's about. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's cool. Amazing. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, Ian, there's always more. Yeah. No matter how much of God you've experienced, yeah. how much joy, peace, love, or, you know, you know from him, mm. there's always more. Mm. That's good. We're not going to get bored, are we? No, certainly not. <laughs> um, lastly, I just, I guess over the years, I have seen you consistently speak prophetically into what God is doing in lives of individuals, in church communities and specific moments. And I just wondered whether there is anything that you feel like the Lord is speaking prophetically in this moment, into this moment that we find ourselves in, either as a church or as a nation. Um, have you got anything that you would just want to share? Well, that's an interesting one. Um, I've, Hazel and I have been involved in an ongoing conversation with some people that we know about that. And um, it's quite interesting, this whole, particularly this whole COVID thing, mm -hmm. which is obviously wider than just uh, Cardiff Vineyard or, or Cardiff even, really. 
Yeah. And one prophetic guy that we know um, reasonably well, um, who's known to known to some of us in the church, Julian Adams, uh, mm. who spoke at um, the Leaders Conference for Vineyard a couple of years ago, really. He said this of um, this particular season that we're in. He said, and this is me summing up what he said, really. It's not his own words directly, but he said, lots of prophets are coming out with statements at this time. This is what the Lord is saying to us right now. But I honestly don't know what all this means. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying right now. Mm. And he's a, you know, he's a, he's a godly prophet, this guy. Mm. And, uh, I have to agree with him. You know, what is this all about? I, you know, uh, I'm not sure what is going on here. But I'll tell you one thing that has stru- struck me very early on in this process, and it still resonates strongly with me all the time in these last three months or so. And it's a verse. Mm. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted mm. on the earth. Just that, be still and know that I am God. Now, I don't for one minute believe that this whole COVID thing is from God as a punishment. Some people are saying that. Mm. It's unbelievable. Uh, But I do know that God's love is being expressed to people in it and through it, even in the most horrendous situations that they're going through as a result of it. And the one thing that I hear all the time through it you know, in the stillness, sitting in the garden with no traffic noise, no aeroplane noise, no, not even sometimes noise of kind of machinery or anything, you know, is this, be still, know that I'm God. And uh, I just had this strange experience um, yesterday. Well, it wasn't that strange, but I saw a butterfly flying in the garden and I looked at it and I thought, that is amazing. I have, it was startling uh, color red with black and white spotted wings. And I, I checked my memory bank and I could not find anywhere in my filing system an image of that or a memory of having seen a butterfly like that before. Mm. I'd never seen one. <laughs> and I looked it up. I can't even remember what it's called now, a tiger, something or other. Uh-huh. It was amazingly beautiful, and it fluttered just outside the other side of the glass of my kitchen window, back and forth, round and round. Uh, And it was there for a minute or two, just flying about in front of me. And I thought, what an extraordinarily beautiful thing this butterfly is. And it just made, made me wonder about, you know, it was a moment of being still and knowing God, the creator God, who made something amazingly beautiful that I'd never, ever seen before. And it's only a little thing, but it's just things like that over these last weeks that have just made me aware of God. Yeah. And I think, I think partly that is one of the things that he wants to come out of this, just that in our ordinary every day, we are more aware of him, mm. you know, in everything that we see around us, in the people that we see around us. Um, Black Lives Matter movement is extraordinary, mm. yeah. I think, in the sense that it has awoken the world to an awareness and people wouldn't put it like this, but actually this is what it is of every human being reflecting God, mm. you know, and therefore of equal value. Yeah. And I think he's just underlining the value of life mm. through this movement. Yeah. And, there's, and there's, 
it is to do with, look, be still. No, know that I am God. I am the God who loves you. I'm the, I'm the God who made you. I'm the God who loves you. I want to breathe my life into you. And uh, as I do that more and more, I will be exalted in the earth through you. And um, I, that's personally what I feel kind of is, is going on for me at the moment. Amazing. I'm sure, um, I'm sure many who are listening will resonate with what you're saying. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I just had one final question for you, which was for anyone who is listening and who would want to learn more about the stuff you've been sharing today, particularly about revival history um, in Wales or elsewhere. Obviously, they can check out your online blog, Well Digger. Um, but are there any books or resources that you would especially recommend as a, as a good starting place? Yeah, I'd say on, on Well Digger, two ways of accessing that if you did want to have a look. There's a, just a slight, there's 330 things on there, but there are, there's quite a bit of stuff that isn't directly Welsh Revival related. Okay. So there is, there is peripheral stuff as well. When I say peripheral, there are accounts of Welsh hymns and the people who wrote them and how they came to be written. There's some stuff about Welsh poets. I've even had a go at translating some stuff um, on there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different things, yeah. but about about half of it is Welsh revival related. But if you put "Well Digger Welsh Revival" into Google, you'll come. It'll come up. Correct. It's the easiest way to find it. Alternatively, I have got a Facebook page called "Well Digger," oh, okay. awesome. on which I announce every time I put a new blog up. I put a link to it on my Well Digger Facebook page. So that's the other way of finding it. In terms of books, I mean, I've got, I don't know, I've got, I've got a lot. Of, <laughs> I'm looking at a whole bookcase. You've probably got more books on the Bible than I have in my own house. Um, and, uh, but if, I, I've had trouble just picking out two or three. So if I can just... I think one that is a good overall overview is this one. I don't know whether you can kind of see that. It's Revival, Fires and Awakenings mm -hmm. by Matthew Bacola. Okay. Revival, Fires and Awakenings by Matthew Bacola. That's quite a simple, straightforward read. He's got a survey of revivals, some of the general principles about revival. And then he's written about Okay, loads and loads of different revivals that have happened all over the world, including the Lowestoft revival of 1922, 2122. Wow. Um, so that's that's a good introduction if you want a, a, right. a book that will cover the range of world revivals. Two slightly older books. This mm -hmm. one is still in print, I believe. I think this is excellent. Uh, it's called Revival of People Saturated with God. Mm. That's a good definition of revival, actually, isn't it? And it comes, yeah. from the Hebridean, comes from the Hebridean revival of 1946, mm. of people saturated with God. It's by Brian Edwards. Okay. Uh, I think that's still in print. One, I hope this is still in print. This is written a few years ago. Uh, Arthur Wallace, In the Day of Thy Power. Now, it's not an account of individual revivals, but it's a very biblical book about revival in the sense that it, it just goes into uh, the Bible accounts and just draws truth out of there regarding what revival is in the day of thy power. And um, 
that I've, I'm, I'm actually rereading it for the fourth time at the moment. <laughs> it's a very, very good book. I strongly recommend it. I hope it's still in print. If not, you can probably get one secondhand on, on Google. That one, I, that would be my number one book about revivals. Okay. Really. That's Arthur Wallace, wasn't it? Arthur Wallace. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, dear man of God. He, I saw him once, at, um, Coastlands Bible Week, as it was in the old days, New Frontiers Bible Week mm. in Sussex. And um, shortly afterwards, he died, he, wow. you know, um, quite suddenly, mm-hmm. he died of a heart attack on a golf course. Wow. And uh, the amazing thing about it was that he just scored a hole in one. <laughs> so he, he, wow. he, he, Bruce Rankin, you would love this story. He <laughs> hit a hole in one. And somebody says, I think it's Ray Lowe, who's a great New Frontiers pastor guy and somebody who's been a great encouragement to me personally was there. He was, he's a great golfer and he was playing with Arthur at that time. And his last words to Arthur, the last words that Arthur heard on the face of the earth were, well done, Arthur. (laughs) End of a heart attack. Wow. Wow. What a way to go. A hole in one and then off to glory. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, David, thank you so much for those um, recommendations. What a great, they're okay. great for anyone that's looking for a place to start. And just thank you so much for taking the time today just to share this with us. I found it so fascinating and really helpful hearing from you. And I hope that anyone who is tuning into this podcast will um, have found it helpful as well. And as we've said, if this is something that you'd like to learn more about, Dave's blog, Well Digger, is a great place to start. He's recommended those books as well. And you've also been filming a number of short videos, just telling some stories um, about revival and and revivals that have taken place in the past. Just some short stories that are on um, Vineyard Church Cardiff's YouTube channel. So if someone wanted a quick place to start to hear a few encouraging stories to get you... um, get a feel for what it's all about then that would be a great place to start as well i'd really recommend those thanks so much for tuning in we'd love to know how you found this podcast and how you're connecting with jesus at this time and if there's any way that we can help you in that just email info at cardiffvineyard.org i'll be back again next week with some of the team and we'd love you to tune in have a great week